0: I want to invite you to turn your Bibles with me this morning to the book of Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, we're going to read from verse 9 to verse 14. Now, if you received a text message we sent earlier in the week, you remember that we mentioned in the text that our theme for today, not just this morning's service, but tonight's service as well, is more of Jesus. Everybody say, more of Jesus. And it's this idea that as we walk with the Lord or the longer we walk with the Lord, we are meant to be growing in our desire for him. You've heard me say this before that, you know, in in human terms, the order we get, the idea is that the less dependent on others we are. Yes. Now, of course, there comes a stage in our lives when we are unable to. Maybe take care of ourselves or do things on our own and we have to rely on others But for the most part of our lives of our existence uh, The idea is that as we grow older we grow less dependent on others But in a spiritual sense it is very different The longer you and I walk with Jesus the more dependent we are on him In fact I believe friends that the longer you and I serve Christ That the more we recognize our need for him that I cannot live without Him, that I cannot function without Him. Listen, being a Christian is not about you proving to God how good a person you are. Being a Christian is about recognizing that God, I need you in my life. I cannot live without you. I cannot function without you. I cannot live out the purpose that you have for me outside of knowing you. And so this attitude of declaring more of Jesus, more of Jesus, must be something that is a part of our daily prayer, our daily desire, our daily yearning. In fact, more than anything else, this must be the most important pursuit of our lives. Because the reality is, is that in this world, there are many things that are pulling for our attention. There are many things that are calling for our devotion. There are many things that are calling for our submission too. As I was getting ready for today's message, I was reminded of the scandal that took place several years ago. You may recall the scandal involving some notable um, celebrities in Hollywood uh, where some, as it were, were paying for bribes or uh, as it were, they were were using illegal means to get their children to certain universities um, that the children necessarily didn't based on merit, qualify for. And of course, the prominent uh, celebrity that was featured during this scandal was the actress, Lori Laughlin. Many of you remember watching Full House? Many of you remember watching Full House? Great, wholesome show, Bob Saget, of course, he's since passed away, um, was one of the stars of the show. But Lori Laughlin was one of the actresses who was sentenced as a result of this particular scandal. And in her case, um, she was given two months in federal prison. Do I need to switch oh, Yes. Thank you. Ma'am. Thank you, Sister mm-hmm. Um So Lori Laughlin was actually sentenced to two months in federal prison for her role in the college admissions scandal. And beyond those two months that she would spend in jail, she was also ordered to serve two years of supervised release during which time she would perform 100 hours of community service and pay a fine of $150,000 She was not the only one that was involved in this scandal. Her husband and also another co-defendant, Musimo Giannulli, received five months in prison. He was ordered to pay a $250,000 fine, and he was ordered to serve 250 hours of community service. The reason I bring them up is because of a statement that was made by the judge who oversaw the hearings um, that that resulted in their, their prison sentences. Uh, Judge Nathaniel Gordon, a U.S. District Judge based out of California, addressed both Lori Laughlin and her husband before he pronounced the sentence on them. And this is what he said I quote, Here you are, an admired, successful professional actor with a long lasting marriage, two healthy, resilient children, more money than you could need, a beautiful home in sunny Southern California, a fairy tale life. Yet here you stand before me as a convicted felon, and for what? For the inexplicable desire to grasp even more. The judge was saying to her, in spite of everything you have, all you've accomplished, you stand before me convicted of a crime that you had no business committing. Why? Because you wanted more. Like I said to you just a moment ago, there are many things in this world that are constantly pulling for our attention, for our devotion, for us to submit to, for us to give in to, for us to, for us to you to, friends. But can I tell you this? There is one thing that you and I will never go wrong wanting more of. In fact, more than anything that can satisfy, that can fulfill, that can make a difference in our lives, not only a, a, a lifetime's worth of difference, but an eternal difference in our lives is a relationship with Jesus Christ. That as you and I walk with Christ more and more, that there is this yearning, this hunger, this passion, this desire in our hearts, that we are not satisfied with what we've had, what we've experienced, what we've gained, what we've discovered in knowing Christ. That we want more, want more. And here's the thing, God will never ever turn you and I away when we say, God, I want more of you. God will never say to you and I, you know what? I've given you enough of me as it is. There are others that I need to pour into. You've had enough be okay with what I've given you no God would never ever say that to you and I why because he wants us to desire him he wants us to desire more of him more of his presence in our lives more of his power at work in our lives more of his influence on our lives if we come up to if we, if we cry to the lord saying God I want more of you God will not turn us away and in this in the scripture we're going to look at this morning this is what the the apostle paul was describing when he talks about the, the 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 church in Colossae. In fact, his words—the words, the words I'm about to read—reflect what he said. Are his prayer, or is the, is the prayer that he makes before the Lord on their behalf? And, and we're going to piggyback off of this scripture this morning to discover what happens when you and I, as children of God, gain insight into God's will and understand His will for our lives. So let's read, beginning with verse nine. This is what Paul says: Having Previously, in the previous verses, given his usual pleasantries and expressing the things that he is thankful for. In verse 9, Paul begins by saying, for this reason, what reason? Um, The love of, of Christ that is growing in the hearts of these individuals, the desire for more of Christ that is budding in the hearts of these believers. Paul says, for this reason, we also, since the day we heard about it, about your love for God, about your passion for saints, we have not ceased to pray for you. And to ask that you may be filled. Everybody say filled. Paul says we have not stopped. We will not stop praying for you. Asking God on your behalf. That you be filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And there's a point. So that you will walk in a manner that is worthy of the Lord. This is a request that is not only applicable to the audience. To which he was writing these words. It is applicable for you and I today. God's desire is this, that as he fills you and I with his knowledge, the knowledge of his will in our spiritual wisdom and understanding, that we are then able to walk in a manner that is worthy of him. That you and I, our lives, the sum total of our attitude, our actions, our decisions, our choices, our response to others, our behavior, every part of us points to him and gives glory to him. Remember Jesus prayed this, He declared, he said, you know, that, that God's desire is that you and I would let our light shine before all men so that they would what? See our good deeds. And when they see our good deeds, they would come and pat us on the back and say, hey, good job, good job. Is that what he said? No. He said, when they see your good deeds, they will praise, they will direct their praise, praise that they would normally direct it to you. They will directed to God. Why? Because they see that you are who you are because of who God is. Paul is saying, that when you and I are filled with the knowledge of God's will, we are able to walk in a manner that is worthy of God, so that we can please Him in all respects. We are bearing fruit in every good work. We are increasing in the knowledge of God. We are strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for the attaining of all perseverance and patience. Joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the, of the saints in light. And I want to read verse 13 and 14. For He rescued us from the domain of darkness and He transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. Would you say praise the Lord? In whom, Paul concludes, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. In the few verses I just read, this is the point Paul is making. And again, we're talking about this petition, more of Jesus. God, I want more of you in my life. I want more of your power in my life. I want more of your presence in my life. What does that mean? What I believe it means is this that the more we desire to know Christ, Paul is saying here, friends, that you and I are better aligned with his purpose for our lives. God has a plan for you and I. Before you and I were born, God knew us so by name. The name you were given was not a name that was given outside of His will. He ordained that that would be the name that you were given. He ordained that 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 that, that you'd be born into the home you were born into. That you would have the growth, the upbringing that you that you have, and, and God ordained that you would have the life that He has purposed that you would have, so that His. Purpose will be accomplished in you and in, uh, in my life. And so in order for you and I to walk in alignment with the purpose that God has for us, friends, then we have to walk with him. Because outside of his purpose, friends, we cannot know, outside of his will, excuse me, we cannot not know the purpose that he has for us. So the question I want to answer this morning is simply this. What is the result of knowing Christ more? The first thing we discover in the scripture is this, that the more we know Christ, the more you and I become aware of his presence. The more we know Christ, the more we become aware of His presence. That we recognize that I am not only, um, uh, uh, that I, I don't simply exist in this world, but that, that I, I am called by His name. That God, God has called me, God has saved me, God has redeemed me, God has given me a purpose, He's given me hope and a future. I, I, I am I'm aware of His presence in my life. I, I recognize that when I wake up in the morning, it's not because I woke up myself, no, but that it is by the grace of God that I'm alive every single day that comes. And that every day that I, I, I face and, and whatever I face, whether it be challenges or whether it be triumphs, that God is with me every step of the way. That at no point in my existence is God detached from me. That is the confidence that you and I have as Christians because we know Christ we know what he has promised in his word that he would never leave us he would never abandon us the psalmist in Psalm 73 verse 27 and 28 says this of the Lord that those who are far from you will certainly perish you destroy all who are unfaithful to you and then in verse 28, he declares but as for me God's presence is my good God's presence is my good in other words He's saying the psalmist is declaring that God's presence is of benefit to me. And by implication, the absence of his presence is not good for me. In the same way that you and I, probably when you're growing up, you would hear maybe the adults or the influences in your life would say to you, Well, I'm saying this for your own good. I'm asking you to do this for your own good. It's this idea that, that you know, whatever instruction we're asked, to follow is not we're, just, we're not simply following it because we're told to do it, we're following it because it's actually for our own good. The psalmist is saying that it is for my own good that I have the presence of God, and that those who are far from His presence will not enjoy the good that He offers. And that's why he can declare, "I have made the Lord God my refuge, so I can tell about all you do." That word refuge speaks to not a place where you go to occasionally or or whenever you feel like it. No, it's a a constant dwelling place. The psalmist says, I need the presence of God in my life. I need to dwell in the presence of God continually, consistently. Why? Because it is for my good. One of the things that I've discovered as I've walked with the Lord all these years is this, that the more I know Christ, the more I, I, I desire to walk with Him, the more I desire to know Him, And and the more I desire to know Him, the more I am made aware of His constant presence in my life. Friends, that even when I'm in the car by myself driving, I know God is with me. That even when I'm going through those circumstances where I I may feel like I just need to be alone in my own thoughts and and focused on what's going on or what may not be going right in my life, that even there, God is with me. That at no point does God detach Himself from me. God is not a fair weather God in the sense that he's only around when things are going great and when things start to go, go bad, he checks out. No, God is with us constantly. But the reality is, is, is that knowing Christ more helps us to grow in that awareness of his presence in our lives so that as we are aware of his presence, we don't, we don't walk without his direction. We don't, we don't, we, we're constantly mindful of, 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 of his will for our lives and his desire for us and, and we desire to walk in his will. But not only does knowing Christ cause us to become more keenly aware of His presence, but knowing Christ more helps us to let go of our reliance on self so that we can rely instead on His limitless power. 2 Peter 1, verse 3, Peter writes, For as you know Him better, He will give you through His great power, through His great what? Everybody say power. Power speaks to ability. It doesn't just simply speak to talent or skill. It speaks to ability that by its very presence, things happen. In the same way that, that the scripture tells in Genesis 1-1 that, that there was a time when the earth was nothing. There was nothing on the earth. It was just void, water, darkness covered the face of the deep. And all God did was speak. And things began to come into existence. That's how powerful God is, friends. God doesn't have to lift a finger. God doesn't have to exert Himself or stress Himself to, to to act on our behalf. God's very presence makes things happen. And so, as we walk with Christ and as we understand more and more who He is and, and His limitless power to, to accomplish His purpose and plan for our lives, we rely on that power rather than relying on our own. Why? Because we recognize why settle for mine when I can have a, when I'm a, when I have uh, when I have access to a limitless power. And it's the same thing. I, I think I, I heard a, a story uh, many years ago about a father who took his son to to this uh, candy store, and you know they they, they were leaving the store, and, and the, the 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 clerk asked the kid to take his hand and dip his hand into a jar and, and grab as much goodies as he could in his hand. And this young man just stood there just watching. And, and of course, they asked him, go ahead, take it in. And he just stood there watching. And the father gets upset. The father's for sure like, we need to go, dude. What are you doing? You're not listening. And so the father dips his hand into the jar and takes out a handful of candy and gives it to the son. And as they're walking out the door, the dad is asking the son, why did you do that? Why didn't you ask? Why didn't you do what he asked you to do? And the young man responded, well, dad, because I knew your hands are bigger than mine. When, you, when you're aware of who God is, right? You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be worried. You don't have to be scared of circumstances that come, come against you. Why? Because you know that the God you call Father, He is bigger. Yeah. He is stronger. So why be afraid? And I've told you before, growing up, you know, I used to be so scared of the dark. But you know what? One of the things that gave me great comfort was when, was when I had my father standing right next to me, I knew that, you know what? If He's there, I can face anything because He's there doesn't matter what confronts me, he is there. God says, I am with you. God says, I am for you. I will not abandon you. Peter declares, as we know him better, he gives us through his great power everything we need for living a truly good life. The more we know Christ, the more we rely on his power rather than on ours. Not only does knowing Christ more help us to rely on his power, but knowing Christ more reflects Results, excuse me, reflecting his character and his attributes in our attitudes, our behavior, and our relationships. In other words, the more we know Christ, the more he rubs off on us. Again, you know, the early church were called the name Christians because the teachings of Christ was evident in their actions. It was unbelievers that called them Christians. Because the unbelievers, as much as they chose not to follow Christ, heard about Jesus. Jesus was not a stranger to them. They heard about the things he had done. About, the, 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 about the, the way of life he stood for. And so when they saw these believers living out the teachings of Christ, it was natural to connect them to, to the one whose teachings they were embodying. The world saw the influence of Christ in them. There was that natural uh, connection between the Christians and Jesus. Why? Because the teachings of Christ was evident in their lives. God's desire is this, that as you and I know Christ more, that he is rubbing off on us. That we are looking more and more like Him. Of course, not suggesting that we are God. We will never be God. That's not what He's called us to. But God's desire is that we reflect the image of His Son. That in the same way that you stand in front of a mirror and the mirror reflects what it is, what stands before it. That as you and I stand before Christ, that we more and more reflect Him to a watching world. Again, it's not about being perfect because, yeah, I know sometimes the world likes to put obligations on us to project perfection so that the moment, the moment we act in an imperfect way, they are quick to call us out. I thought you were a Christian. I thought Christians don't do X, Y, and Z. Again, it's not to justify sin, but what I'm saying to you this morning is this. God's desire is that the more we walk with Him, the more it is obvious that Christ is making a difference in our lives and that our actions, our words, our attitude reflect that. Ephesians 1 verse 21 says, Since you have heard about Jesus and you've learned the truth that comes from Him, now, as a result of hearing about Him and learning the truth, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted, Paul says, by lust and deception. And instead, allow the Spirit of God to renew your thoughts and to renew your attitude. And as you do so, put on, he says, this new nature, a nature that is completely different opposite of a nature that is that is obligated to sin that is a slave to sin Paul says put on this new nature which comes from our knowledge of Christ a nature that is created to be like God everybody say like God in what sense Paul says truly righteous and holy because if there's any characteristic that God is it is that he is righteous and he is holy this is why the Bible said we must be holy. Why? Because God is holy. God's desire is that the more you and I walk with Christ, that our lives reflect His presence, His power, His influence. That it, there is no shadow of a doubt to people around us that we are Christians. That there is no shadow of a doubt to people around us that we are committed to Christ. That even if it means that we give up what the world offers you and I, as, as enticing as it may seem, that we're willing to abandon all. Why? Because we are committed to following Christ. God's desire is that the more you know Christ, that you would reflect Him more and more. And my prayer this year, in this coming year, is this, God, that, that we, your church, would, would reflect you more than ever before. Listen, we, you know, and again, it's, it's not, to, it's not to, to, to simply criticize, but if, if anything, it's to challenge us to, to consider, God, what message am I sending to a watching world about who you are? Because all too often, you know, as, as, as the church, we, we, we like to, we, we, I don't know, maybe, maybe like is not the word, but we tend to project this impression to the world that Christians have it all together. That we are Christians because our lives are in order. Or that we are Christians because everything is working perfectly in our lives, and that's not the case. I can tell you this, not everything is working perfectly in my life. There's a lot of things that I would like to change. There's a lot of things that I would like to see be different. And by the grace of God, those changes are taking place in my life. But, but it's so that I can testify to a watching world that a relationship with Christ is so valuable to me. Why? Because it is the only way that I can be changed. It is the only way that I can, I, I can be able to take on a, 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 a different way of thinking, a different way of living, one that is consistent with God's best for me. God's desire is that as we know Him, that we reflect Him. And here's the last point, that the more we know Christ, the more you and I would welcome trials and tool, as tools for developing godly character. One of the mistakes that we often make in, in the church world is that we see life's difficulties as obstacles. A, a challenge comes and our immediate response is, God, take it away. But here's, here's a perspective that I believe Christ wants us to have. Jesus himself said in this world, you will have trouble. Not because he wants us to have trouble, not because he takes pleasure in us struggling. But he says, take heart. In spite of the trouble you face, take heart. Why? Because I have already overcome the world for you. There is a promise in that, in that statement. He's saying that no matter what you face, it will not destroy you. What you face will not overwhelm you to the point where you are helpless to do anything about it. Why? Because I will take up for you. God wants you and I to recognize that, that trials are not meaningless obstacles. But I believe they are meaningful opportunities for us to see the hand of God at work in our lives. Again, one of my my favorite illustrations of this is is in the scriptures in Exodus where the Bible says the people of Israel are back in the Red Sea and charging toward them is Pharaoh. And the people are crying out to Moses saying, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out here to die? And Moses told them, stand still and you see God's salvation in your lives today. These Egyptians you see today, you will not see ever again. Why? Because God wanted them to rely on Him. On Him. So every trial we face, friends, is an opportunity for God to demonstrate His power in your life and my life. I mean, 2023, I'm sure you will agree, there have been numerous occasions where you were faced with a challenge, a difficulty, or circumstance you did not know how you would get through, yet God saw you through. God made a way. Perhaps you're going through something now. Maybe you're saying, Pastor John, well, I'm still going through my issue, my struggle. Nothing has changed. Listen to me this morning. God is still on the throne. God has not forgotten you. He has not abandoned you. God wants you to know that that trial you're facing right now is a tool that He is using to develop you. He takes no pleasure out of your suffering. But as gold must be refined in the fire in order to be purified, God will use difficulties to bring out his best in you and I. Romans 5 verse 3 and 5, Paul says, we also boast of our troubles. Why, because we know that trouble produces endurance. Endurance brings God's approval, and his approval creates hope. This hope does not disappoint, because God has poured out his love into our hearts, Paul says, by means of the Holy Spirit. So at no point in your life is God ever detached. God is connected. He always is connected. He will always be connected. And as long as you and I walk with him, the more we will learn to see those challenges as an opportunity for God to move. This has always been my prayer whenever I face a difficulty. God, you've allowed this for a reason. Help me to not lose sight of you as I walk through this because I know you're going to bring me to the other side of it. And whatever it is that you want me to learn from this, God, teach me. This spiritual muscle, whatever muscle you want want to develop in me, God, develop it. Because I know your grace is going to be sufficient for me through this challenge. That is a posture of one who recognizes, I cannot function without Christ. I cannot live without him. I need him. And not only do I need him, but I need more of him. Not only today, but every single day. Maybe your prayer in this coming year, as you face each and every single day, that you declare to your Heavenly Father, I want more of you. I want more of you. I want more of your presence. I want more of your power. I want more of your spirit to to, to work in my life. I want to live in complete and total reliance on you. And God, I want want to be a living witness to your power to deliver. That's what I believe God desires for us. And so I hope you join with us in praying for that more of Jesus. Everybody say with me, more of Jesus. More of Jesus. And may that be our experience in this coming year in a real, profound and powerful way. If you're here and you don't have a relationship with Christ, I want to close by just simply saying this. A relationship with Jesus is the most important thing you could ever, ever involve yourself in. Why? Because there's this thing called sin that separates us from relationship with God. A relationship we were created to experience with God. And the Bible says that there's nothing you and I can do, no good you and I can do that could ever be sufficient enough to accommodate or to satisfy God's righteous requirement concerning sin, Jesus was the only one who was qualified to pay that price. Why? Because he, though He was God, fully man, tempted, He had never given to sin. He understands what it, what it means to, to be tempted. And by giving His life on the cross, he, pay, he, he became that perfect atonement for us so that you and I don't have to pay for our sins. But we can put our trust in what he did on the cross and recognize that what he did is what, it was enough to secure my forgiveness. And that by embracing Christ as Savior and Lord, that I know that God, that God will indeed change my life. And it's as simple as asking the Lord to forgive you, acknowledging that you're a sinner, acknowledging that again, there's nothing you can do to earn salvation, and putting your full, complete, and total trust in Jesus to save you. And you can do that right now if you've never done that before. Or perhaps maybe you've walked with the Lord at a time in your life and you God caught up in the cares of this world and Jesus took a back seat in your life and he became more of, more of an accessory rather than the center of your world. Today is an opportunity for you to say, Jesus, I want you to step back and sit back on the throne of my heart, the rightful place that, you, that, be, that you, for, to, to which you belong. The Bible says if we open up our hearts to him, he will come in and he will engage us and he will transform us. You have to ask him in. I want to invite every head bow and every eyes closed this morning. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you. Thank you for inviting us into a relationship with you. The reality is, is that this relationship into which you've called us to is its not for your benefit, Father. It's ours. We're the ones that benefit from this. You paid it all so that we might gain it all. And God, I thank you That God, knowing you, God, changes us. Knowing you gives us a different outlook, a different perspective. Knowing you, God, helps us, Lord, to see that there are more important things than the things that this world calls us to pursue or to seek after. God, in knowing you, God, we find contentment. In knowing you, Father God, we find refuge, we find rest, we find peace. In knowing you, we find joy in knowing you Father God we are bold and courageous Lord against every obstacle that comes our way in knowing you Father God we have victory and God I pray this morning that for everyone who is sitting under the sound of my voice that God you will be all all that they desire God that their prayer would be more of you Jesus in my life in my home in my family in my relationship on my job in my community more of jesus and that god that pursuit of you father god would galvanize them father god to surrender completely and totally to you every single day and for whomever is here that does not have a relationship with jesus god i thank you that even in this moment lord that god you are drawn on their hearts father inviting them to submit to you to surrender all to you god and to say father have your way in me thank you that on the heels of our confessing christ as savior Acknowledging that we are sinners, Father deserving of condemnation and yet Father acknowledging that Christ died to pay for our sins and that God when we put our trust in you Father you give us the right to become sons and daughters of God. Whomever that may be today God I thank you that God's salvation, salvation is at hand. Thank you Father for a changed life. Thank you for Father God a new identity that is rooted in the knowledge of christ and thank you lord that from this day forward lord that they would take steps father god in knowing you better so that as they know you more so god with their lives father reflect your presence and your power and your influence again father thank you this morning for reminding us once again in your word that god we need you we cannot live without you we cannot have enough of you father and so god teach us lord to pursue you more than anything else and we ask these things in Jesus' name from my sin. Amen.